Welcome to The Living Word with me, Sarah Adjala Emanuel, an evangelist of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today I want to um, address the matter of prayers. Uh, prayers are very, is a very, very uh, important component of our life of faith in God, in Christ Jesus. Prayer is a very necessary, it's like a you know, a, a, a blood vessel, a blood vein, a life vein, really, um, a communication line with God. And it is also uh, a way of receiving from God, you know, instructions for our day-to-day lives and power for our day-to-day lives, you know, to live for him. We have got his instructions fully in his book. And I will tell you one thing, prayer, it works hand in hand with the scriptures, Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're more effective prayers uh, when prayers, <laughs> when we are well grounded in the Holy Scriptures. We pray more effectively. We pray properly as we ought to. We pray in line with God's will when we know him, when we know his word. And so we're going to address this matter because I, I have met and known a lot of um, professing believers who say God does not answer prayers like he used to. Um, many are frustrated. You know, they go into some kind of resignation, like, oh, well, God will do what he's going to do anyway. Oh, well, the will of God be done. But they don't say it with any kind of reverence as a faithful believer will say, your will, Father, be done. As our Lord Jesus Christ said when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, that if it were possible, the cup of death, you know, the cup of his impending um uh, death on our behalf be taken from him. So, but yet not my will, but yours be done. And indeed, faithful believers, the true saints of God, when we do pray, we, we, we're not imposing our desires or our will on God. We are actually saying, yes, Father, let your will be done. And this is because we trust God fully. We know that his will is perfect. We know that whatever God wants to do, uh, desires to do in our life, it will do, and it will be the best thing, even if it is um, contrary to what we thought or what we would like, because um, our personal desires at the best of times really are not in line with the will of God. Until we are ourselves in Christ, fully grown in Christ, that's when we are able to discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As, say, uh, as uh, Paul said to us in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, you know, uh, appealing to us to be renewed in the attitude of our minds. That being a spiritual act of worship, he said. He said, then, and only then, will we be able to attest what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when we do say, let your will be done, when we pray, Father, let your will be done, we're not doing it out of frustration because we've been praying for something in particular for so long and it's not happening. So we you know, we end up in this vain resignation like, oh, well, God will do whatever what we'll do anyway. No, it's not that. We are saying it because we know that God's will is perfect. We are saying it because we know that God knows the best thing and whatever his decision is good enough for me. I mean, quite honestly, I would rather not have something if God didn't want me to have it, because obviously it's going to, it's not going to be good for me. God knows what's best for me. But um, it is a wonderful thing when we are able to work in line with the will of God, when we know the will of God in, in, in most circumstances, if not all circumstances. I mean, this is not saying I know exactly what God's going to do in the next minute or I know exactly what he's going to do tomorrow. But when you're confident in your walk with God, that you are walking faithfully with God and you know that you are walking in obedience to God, in reverence to God, then you you are confident that you know that whatever it is you're doing or whatever it is you're asking for is to the glory of God because you are living for his glory, not for yourself. But when people live for their selfish ambition, their selfish purposes, they end up frustrated. And this is when you hear comments like God doesn't answer prayers like he used to in the Bible. Oh, well, nowadays we wonder if God really, really still exists. Or I mean, why would God not be able to answer prayers as he did before? He's not an impotent God. He's a living God. He's almighty, all-powerful. So he is able to do anything at all. I mean, what can we ask of God? What can we ask? He can do anything and everything. You know, he's God, nothing. He says he's the almighty. He's the sovereign God. 
nothing is impossible for me to do, he says to us in Jeremiah. So there is nothing impossible for God. And he says also that his ears are not too dull to hear us, nor his arms too short to deliver. So God is able to do all things. But the thing is, you see, we do not compel God to do what we want because half the time, well, probably more than half the time, what we want are not in line with his His will for us. You know, when people are, are offering personal prayers, they're usually covetous, self, self-seeking, self you know, and then we have evil prayers being offered up to, well, I don't know where they offer it up to, but they reckon they're offering it up to God, you know, evil prayers. We're going to come to that. And all sorts of empty, futile talk. We have those people who say they're speaking some kind of heavenly personal language and they're offering a lot of gibberish. You know, they say it's tongues, you know, tongues in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can read in scripture, where their supernatural ability to speak languages, tongues in the Bible meant languages, you know, comprehensible languages, languages that people could understand it and, and, and translate. So um, we have that people who want to, who say they feel so spiritual that they're doing this tongues thing and they don't know what they're talking about, but they've been convinced by whoever it is that taught them the tongues. <laughs> or encourage the speaking of it that God understands even if they don't I don't understand and you want an answer you didn't even know what you asked if indeed you ask for anything I don't believe you're asking for anything because God has given us languages in the world for a reason so that we can communicate with one another and through that communicate with him so when we come up with a whole string of consonants that he hasn't given us or, 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 or a whole string of endless vowels that he hasn't given us as a language and we expect him to understand. Yes, God knows everything, but you're not saying anything. So there is that. So, um, and then we have uh, the sort of prayers that are sort of uh, formatted prayers, you know, prayer books. <laughs> you get in the certain dead churches, dead Orthodox churches, where the prayers are written out in you know, the sentences and then the response you give, the priest says something. It's all printed out for you. The priest says something, you say something back. Like I say, that's prayers. And um, is, the same thing is repeated over and over again. Then we have the vain babblings that also go on of chantings, you know, as is done in pagan religions, you know, of chanting the same things over and over and over and over and over and over. I don't know, people think they can burden God with that and force his hand into doing something they want. I don't know what the logic behind that is. You know, vain repetitions. Our Lord Jesus Christ wonders about that. But you get that when you say, for instance, in the Roman Catholic Church where people are made to ask to pay certain penance and they're told to say so many Hail Marys. I mean, what? You're repeating the same thing like Jive Bunny over and over and over. That's not praying. Certainly not praying to the sovereign God. So prayer, really, effective prayer is born out of one's personal relationship with God. It's born out of one's personal relationship with God. I can tell you one thing from my personal testimony. I could not pray to save my life at one time, but I believed I was a Christian. Now, it turned out, eventually, after 14 years, turned out I was not a Christian. But I thought I was, because I was in a place that called itself a Christian church, but it was a cult. I didn't know, because I, I, I had no knowledge of what the church was or, or was meant to be like or anything. So I had been raised as a Muslim and so um, not even a practicing one as such. And I thought, and so um, when I saw this place that claimed it was a Christian church, I, I joined up and I attended so many times a week. I followed all the religious practices, did everything we were instructed to do and all. But um, I didn't know anything of the Lord and I did not know how to pray. I mean, some people will, be, will do the praying and the rest of us say amen. I could not, when I was on my own, utter a word of prayer. I had to depend on the people who would pray in the meetings. And even them, I mean, when I think back now at the sort of things they were saying and they're chanting and ranting, this was a whole lot of rubbish. We had the tongue speaker once and then we had um you didn't even know when to, we just carried on saying amen do you know what they were talking about they didn't know what they were talking about but we said amen what we were saying amen to only perhaps just the demons know <laughs> anyway so there was that and so um you know that was so ineffective but you know what god is amazing god is just amazing uh, and he's a benevolent god so so amazingly loving 
if you reject the love of God, if you're not a Christian, you, you, you'll never really know love. You will never know love, true love. Yes, you can have a spouse who loves you, your children love you, your friend loves you, but it's nothing to compare to God's love. That's the greatest love of all. And if you don't know it, it would be a very tragic thing if you pass through this world without knowing the, the love of God. Because all that time, when I wasted 14 years, well, it's not a waste when I look at it, because I learned a lot there that um, I'm able to talk about now to edify others and warn others, you know, with. But um, in a way, the 14 years I would rather spend with the Lord as I do now. But in all that time, God still looked after me. He still did things for me. I didn't know I wasn't praying effectively, but certainly one thing I knew was some things I was made to pray for and some prayers that were offered there were not happening. You know, you know, things like um, praying for the destruction of others because you saw them as your enemy and things like that. A whole lot of nonsense, you know, witchcraft, really. And um, they didn't. They weren't happening because I wasn't seeing anybody killing over and dying, you know, and I wasn't seeing people starving to death as the prayers were said. Like, oh, yeah, let them starve to death. Everybody who does not want me to do well, you know, I didn't see all that going on. So as far as I was concerned, such prayers were not being answered. But nevertheless, God looked after, he looked after me and not just I, but everybody else. I mean, look at the world around us today. There are many people who do not believe in God, many people who do not care about God, many people who blaspheme God, many people who even curse God to his face. Yet, he gives the same sunshine and rain unto everybody. Yet, he gives the same um, opportunity to feed. He, he makes provision for everyone. Every, you know, they're all able, unbelievers are able, God haters, unbelievers, they're able to work and, and make a profit from their earnings. They're able to, to live well from their earnings. They're able to have children, to have marriages, to enjoy all that God has provided. You know, going to all the holiday resorts and having holidays, walking all over God's earth without giving him thanks, eating of his provision without giving him thanks or acknowledging him, enjoying the weather, going skiing and going to some, you know, beaches in the summer without giving a thought to the God who has provided all those things. That is how amazing God's love is. He doesn't hold all that against us. No, no. But of course, if we continue through all our lives without acknowledging him and honoring him and giving him glory and praise and submitting the very lives is given us back to him in Christ Jesus. By giving our lives, if we do not give our lives back to Christ, we will surely, surely suffer at the end because there will be eternal damnation for all who are apart from Christ Jesus. So it's all well and good now for people to go around the world and enjoy themselves, make money, party, enjoy life and do all things. But at the end of the day, it's going to be nothing but misery. So we come back to this matter of prayer. People say God doesn't answer prayers as he used to. We have been praying for so long and God isn't answering, uh, you know. And uh, we know that James said, you know, in James chapter four, James said, you, you, um, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Now this is, this is human nature. This is what humans do. You know, people find, so see someone who's got something they desire that they don't have. And they, they they feel they have ill feelings towards such a person. But James says something. He says, um, take it from verse uh, from, from verse one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, asking amiss is a very common phenomenon in, in the Christian prayer world. I mean, I don't know what other religions do for prayer because they don't really have a God. There is only one living God, and that is the God who revealed himself to us in the scriptures. The God who came down and dwelt amongst us to establish the way we are to walk to save us from from sin and death, the God who who lived amongst us and showed himself amongst us and proved himself amongst us, the Lord Jesus Christ. So apart from that, I don't know to whom all other religions and you know pray to. So I, I'm not bothered about them. <laughs> 
All I'm saying is, those of us who say we are Christians and we're praying and we're not seeing answers to prayers and we're frustrated. I mean, one thing that I see amongst African Christians is this business of contracting out prayers, you know, going to some people for prayer, some people who can pray, some people who can approach God on your behalf. Who is it who can approach God on your behalf? Who? Are they not human like you? Are they not, if they were actually redeemed, are they not redeemed sinners like yourself? Why go to somebody for prayers? What is wrong with you? Why can you not pray? God does not have such intermediaries. Unless some people will tell you they are prayer warriors, they make a career of that. They are prayer warriors. <laughs> what they are worrying about, I don't understand. And so people go to them and kneel down for prayer. People go to them. It's like prayer arms begging for prayer from people. For what reason? That's only because such people who do that do not themselves have a relationship with God because the relationship we have with God as believers, as Christians, what we have with God is a father-child relationship. He is my father who is in heaven. So why? Because even with my earthly father before he died, there was never a time I needed something from him that I would get my friend or, or, or anyone, contract anyone to go and speak to my father on my behalf. I mean, besides the things we do with our moms when we're trying to do something we know our father will disapprove of, you know. But I even had parents who, who stood together as one. So what you couldn't get out of one, you could not get out of the other. So forget it. They did not collude with us. But put it this way. We are all parents. Why would my child go and get the next door neighbor to come and ask me for something my child wants from me? Isn't that bizarre? Is that, is that not strange? So then, if you are a child of God, and that is what Christians are, why do you need to go to another person to ask them to pray for you because you think they have better access to God than you have? They haven't. And they probably don't even have any access to God because what we have today are a lot of false teachers, a lot of false prophets, a lot of fake pastors who are out there milking the people. They tell you to come for deliverance and you're going for deliverance and they say you need seven days of fasting. You need seven deliverances, 21 deliverance sessions and people are attending all that nonsense. At the end of it, you're going to pay money out. You will always. They'll make you sow some seed or pay some tithe or make some offering. There will always be money involved because these people are prophets for hire, false prophets at that. And that's what they do. And they say they're praying your problems away. They can solve your problems. They can deliver you. Who are they? These people are even far from God. You're better off praying by yourself. That is the problem that people don't seem to realize. You're making the situation worse. Whatever the problem you have, God knows about it if you belong to him. And he's always there. I said earlier, God said, he said it in his holy word. He said, I'm the Lord. My ears are not too dull to hear, nor my arms too short to deliver. The Bible tells us again in Psalm 34 that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are always attentive to their cries. So what exactly is it that people are looking for so restless, trying to go and see a prophet, you want to go and see a pastor? Who are they? They do not have any better standing than you before God. You know the funny thing? In God's kingdom, every one of us is equal. God has no superstars. He has no generals. He has no senior people. He has no juniors. We're all equal. Children, period. End of story. No grandchildren, no um, niece or nephew, <laughs> nothing like that. We're all children of God. End of story. All with equal rights, all with equal access. Now, we have different work that we all do in the vineyard according to God's gifting. I have mine, you have yours. I don't believe there's a believer who does not have a gift of the Holy Spirit or the other. Not all of them are showy, not all of them are outward gifts like, you know, what we see, but they all manifest in the fruit of the Spirit. But nevertheless, nobody has any better right to pray, to pray to God for you, for anybody else. We can pray, uphold each other in prayer. We can support each other in prayer because we are family. As indeed, even families, natural families do. Well, sometimes. <laughs> but being, being a member of one family, one body, which is a Christ Jesus, our Lord, we in love, we pray for one another because we love one another, because we care for one another, because we're concerned for one another. 
I love praying for the persecuted church. Now, I don't know who they all are. I, re- I mean, sometimes we hear the news and we read the news about Christians who have been kidnapped or being beheaded somewhere or being arrested somewhere or being, you know, beaten and all sorts of things harassed. And I pray for those people. I pray with them because I know they're praying too. So I pray with them. I don't know who they are, but they're my brothers and my sisters and I can, I can feel their pain. Maybe not physically, but emotionally because that could be me anytime. We don't know. Any one of us can get picked up at any time for our faith in Christ. And the way society is going these days, even here in Great Britain, it wouldn't surprise me if in time we're going to get picked up and arrested for preaching from the Bible. You know, so for that reason, we uphold each other in prayer, you know, praying for all the saints. As Paul the Apostle said in chapter six of Ephesians, he said, you know, I've been put on the full armor of God. He said, with that in mind, pray for all the saints with all kinds of prayers, always remembering the saints. But there's a lot going on that people call prayer that are not prayers before God. And this is why they're not answered. So before we go into how we can, how to pray effectively, because I can assure you one thing, God answers prayers. He does. He still does. And he answers them as effectively as he did in the past. Now, this is not to say that in asking for miracles, you know, because you haven't seen the miracles you're asking for, for <laughs> God isn't answering prayers. In the first place, you have no business asking for a miracle. You have no business asking for a miracle. Miracle are supernatural acts of God. And he determines and, you know, when to do them and how. You know, they're not our entitlement as Christians that because you're a Christian, you're entitled to a miracle. So all this miracle hunting that people do, going to places, asking for miracles, asking for financial breakthrough, that's another stupid prayer. Financial breakthrough for what? So you can spend it on your own foolish desires, exactly as James said. You know, all those sort of things are not prayers. And it's so tragic that many who call themselves, uh, themselves ministers of God, you know, they lead people in all these empty, useless prayers that God is not interested in listening to. If he at all even listens, he's not interested. And that's why they're not answered. You know, prayers about breakthroughs and financial this and take me to the next level and do, you know, increase me over my enemies and kill my enemies and destroy my enemies with fire and let everybody who doesn't like me die with thunder. Foolish talk like that, God will not listen to. Why? Because they're not in line with his commands to us in scripture. Because in scripture, it's very, very clear what we are told, how to pray, what we are told about prayer, what we are told about enemies. I mean, there's Africans have this terrible obsession with enemies, this enemy mentality, always believing there's an enemy somewhere, chasing them, pursuing them, looking out for them and things, denying them things, you know. The African eye, the enemy, which, which is some imaginary person, usually they don't even know who they are most of the time. And the other times where they think they know who they are, I'm sure they, it's complete falsehood anyway, will be somebody who does not agree with them on something or someone who doesn't like them. And so they assume that person is an enemy and that person is the one who's blocking, destroying, trying to destroy their marriage or uh, blocking their career progression or that person is the one who's affecting their, you know, uh, their business and tying their womb. They've got this thing they call tying the womb just because a person has not conceived. They reckon some witch somewhere has tied their womb. You know, in the eyes of the... Fickle African, fickle thinking African like that. Those people, those perceived enemies are greater than God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. They're greater than God. Because if you believe you're a child of God, why would you think any mere human being? I don't care what fraternity or what cult anyone belongs to. There is nothing they can do with me. Nothing. Absolutely nothing they can do to me or with me. It's just not possible. They're just mere humans. They don't even know if they're going to be here tomorrow. Besides the fact that I don't know that I have any enemies anyway. I don't believe I do. There are people who don't like me, but then I don't like everybody either. So, you know, why should I then think because of that? They're my enemies. They, maybe there's something about me they don't like. They have a right to that. There's some people's characters I can't stand. And so I wouldn't necessarily talk to them because they, I do not like their personality. But I love them. And I'll tell you why. I love them because there's no way I'm going to see them in trouble and, and turn away from them. I love them because 
I will still look for an opportunity to tell them about the love of God and about salvation in Christ. Now, they may reject it, and if they do and tell me to get lost with my, uh, with, with my gospel, then that's fine. We have nothing else to discuss any further. But I, will, I do not hate anyone, and I will not deny anyone the opportunity to be told about Christ if I get the chance to. Nor will I deny anybody help if, I can help if I'm in a position to help them. But I will not see them as my enemies. And if anyone sees me as an enemy, that's just too bad. That's just too bad because I, I do not have any enemies. So prayers like that, you know, they're, they're witchcraft. Praying against people, praying for people to suffer. It's rubbish. Where do we see that in the Holy Scriptures? What did Jesus our Lord say? He said, pray for those who, um, he said, pray for those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. He said, bless and do not curse. So if I then go against that and I choose to curse people and I'm saying that up and I expect him to answer me, why would he answer me? Why? He said to us, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. If I then go and get on my knees and say, Lord, for everybody who is against my progress, I want them to starve to death. I want them all to burn. I want fire to strike them over. And all. What am I talking about? And you expect that to be answered by the Holy God? Of course not. Of course not. It will not be answered. And then some people will tell you they're offering something they call dangerous prayers, violent prayers. <laughs> and when you tell them, there's nothing called dangerous or violent prayers. They say, oh, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and only the violent take it. Is that what that's supposed to mean? That's not what it means. That is definitely not what it means. We're talking here about your aggressive stand against your position to do, to live right before God. That is the violence the Bible talks about there. It's not talking about you going to kill people or striking people dead or cursing people dead or wishing them evil or wishing them bad. It's nothing like that. Christianity is about love because God is love. Christianity is all about love. Everything we do is must be must be in love. So hating people and praying against people, of course the prayers will not be answered. So there's so many futile prayers. And then this matter of tongues. It is always good for us to have our intellect, you know, when we're speaking to the sovereign God. We need to have our wits about us. We are speaking to the Almighty, for goodness sake. I cannot just open my mouth and start chanting things I don't even know what I'm talking about. But somebody somewhere has told me that it's heavenly language or, or, the, lang or the tongue of angels. Where do we read about heavenly language in the Bible or the tongue of angels? The Bible doesn't say anything about that. The only time the Bible talks about tongues, it meant languages, the spoken languages. And there were people there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There were people, uh, no, sorry, Acts chapter 2. Of course, uh, Paul talks about it again in 1 Corinthians 14. But in Acts chapter 2, when this phenomenon came along, this miraculous gift, there were people there who were saying, these people are speaking, the, they're proclaiming the works of God in our language. And there is a list of languages, of na different nationalities that were present, even the African language. And all this was happening in Jerusalem. These people were speaking other languages, foreign languages that they had never learned. And there were others there able to, to translate what they were saying. And even the natives of the language languages were speaking could say, and they're saying they're praising God in my language. It's not, you cannot say you're praying to God and just be chanting a whole load of gibberish and you want God to answer. What is he supposed to answer to? You don't even know what you're saying yourself if indeed you're saying anything. So now, first I'd like us to uh, dismiss what prayer is not, at least for today anyway, because I, I can't cover this in, in, in one session. But let's first understand what prayer is not, because there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what prayer is. And as long as we're going to carry on like that, we will be frustrated. I live a very contented life. I praise God for that, because um, uh, God answers my prayers not always immediately, because it depends on what I'm asking, you see. Some of them are lifelong things, but I see the progression all the time. I see the response. And some of them are things that happen immediately. It depends on what it is. 
But whatever it is, it's got to be in line with the will of God. And you know that in Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. I think it's verse 4 of Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that is misunderstood by a lot of people to say that um, if you delight yourself in the Lord and that delight yourself in the Lord, they think is by doing the right religious practices, you know, go to church on Sunday, pay your tithe, do this, honor pastor, grovel after pastor, carry pastor's Bible, carry their handbag, celebrate his wife's birthday and pastor's wedding anniversary. I said, well, that's your business. Anyway, <laughs> do all those things. And you know, the thing that's delighting in the Lord and it will give you the desires of your heart, which means everything I ask you will do. No, that's not what it means. If you delight yourself in the Lord, let's say, it is, yes, it is verse 4 of Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If I delight myself in the Lord, how do I delight myself in the Lord? By obeying him, by honoring him, by reverencing him, by loving him, by living righteously, living a holy life according to his command. Because God said, be holy because I am holy. And if he's my father, then I'm supposed to have his character, am I not? So that's the way it's supposed to be. Because the reason we are saved in the first place is so that we can be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ was the epitome of love. Jesus Christ, who came down into the world in person, was the fullness of God represented to us. The fullness of God. Absolutely God. You know, he was God. And so we saw the fullness of God. And let me tell you, I'll just read it. There's so many places in the Bible where we have the character of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, his personality when he was here. But we'll look just at the one in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So against such, against such things, there is no law. That was Jesus Christ personified. That's who he was, full of love, meekness, gentleness, you know, love, kindness, all these other things. Now, look at the, on the other hand, this is our human nature, our normal lives, human beings, is uh, from verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not only will they not inherit the kingdom of God, but they will never have their prayers answered. You know why? They don't belong to God. They do not belong to God. God have got the character of Christ in verse 22, which says, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the character of Christ. Anything else does not belong to God, unfortunately. Even as John said to us in 1 John chapter 3, he said, No one who is born of God will continue to sin. He cannot go on sinning because God, because God's love, uh, God's seed remains in him. So when God, when, when this, when God's seed is in us, when we are children of God, we cannot continue sinning. Now I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not made perfect this side of heaven. We will be made perfect when we're taken out of this world. Because around here we, we're surrounded with so much, by so much evil, so much temptation, so much wickedness and all sorts of darkness and things. But we are meant to separate ourselves from the life we used to live before, that life of envying one another, hating one another, jealousy, uh, rage, anger, malice, witchcraft. Now, a lot of people will say they don't practice witchcraft. They've never practiced witchcraft. But you see, <laughs> a lot of people that they that um, people tend to consult who call themselves prophets, you know, and who tell you they're going to do this, they're going to do this deliverance for you, they're going to do that deliverance for you, and they tell you to go and buy some items, and they give you all kinds of all kinds of items to use for certain things. Sometimes the coconut 
or literally to go and smash at some junction or some egg or or buy certain cloth and give you all kinds of talisman, really. They give you all those things and tell you these are objects that you're using for your deliverance. That's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. So one way or the other, I confessed it before that I was once affiliated to witchcraft when I went to a white garment church. Now, I didn't think I signed up to witchcraft. I wasn't doing incantations or anything. What I was in, I was within a body that was doing these things. They were practicing it, and I thought they were worshipping. I thought that was Christianity. In my ignorance, I thought that was Christianity. Fourteen years of my life, I was in that, thinking I was a Christian. I knew nothing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know who to pray to. You know, I had no idea. You cannot pray effectively unless you have a beautiful relationship one-to-one relationship, not one through me, not through your pastor, not through a prophet. No, it's a one-to-one direct relationship with God. That's when you can pray effectively. And you pray effectively through your knowledge of his word. Because through the word of God and the holy scriptures that we have, available to all of us now, thank goodness for that, thank God, many men laid down their lives so that we can all have the Bible in our hands today. Many beautiful saints laid down their lives so that we can have this privilege. And so nobody can claim ignorance. But people are too lazy. They're too lazy. They would rather listen to what pastor is saying and what and what prophet is saying without actually looking at the Bible, reading themselves and trying to see if those things are true. I don't just buy hook, line and sinker anything anybody says. And without, you know, without... um wanting to sound arrogant, but I don't say amen to everyone who prays for me either. Because I know that God only listens to the obedient, to those who are obedient to him. I say amen when a fellow brother or sister that I do know are truly born again Christians pray for me. You know, they say to me, God bless you, I say amen, because I appreciate it. So God be with you, Sarah, say amen. And I say with a smile, with thanksgiving. But not just everybody. I mean, not just everybody, because not everybody God is listening to. But yet he is willing to listen to everybody if we walk with him. So let's dispel what prayer is not. I've got a few points here of what prayer is not, which people tend to think is prayer. And people who pray like that will find that their prayers are not answered. Hence the frustration. Hence the need to go and consult a prophet or pastor because you think they are next, next, you know, next in command to God and they can do things for you. No man can do for anybody what the almighty God will not do. No man can. And in fact, if they offer, they would, because I must warn you that Satan is able to do certain things for people. But the end is going to be death. The Bible says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems good to a man, but in the end is death. I do not want any favors from any person or any spiritual realm whatsoever if it's not coming from the almighty God. Now, he's not going to use an intermediary just for the prophet or something to do it for me because I'm his child and I have, I have access to him. When our Lord Jesus Christ took his last breath on the cross at Calvary, the curtain that separated the, the most holy place from the temple of worship in Jerusalem, that curtain separated the most holy place from the rest of, of the, of the um, temple. That curtain ripped in two in the middle, ripped in two, exposing all that was in the most holy place. So now, what that means for you and I as believers is every time we say, my father who is in heaven, we are stepping into the most holy place. Every time I cry out, Lord Jesus Christ, I am standing in the most holy place. That is our dwelling place. I hate to be out of there for any moment, so I'm always in prayer. Even when I'm sleeping, in my dreams I'm praying, when I'm walking I'm praying, when I'm cooking I'm praying, when I'm eating I'm praying. I'm always, one way or the other, there's always some prayer or some hymn or some song of praise or something going on in my mind. That way, you see, it, it, it takes training, self-control, because it keeps your mind from futile things. It keeps your mind from demonic penetration, because Satan is always waiting and willing to throw all sorts of funny ideas into us. And you know, the Lord Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we put our heart open, laid bare, like an, like idle hands, Satan will penetrate with ideas. 
ideas. That's why people can imagine that they've got enemies somewhere. That's why people will think, you know, when they're going through a certain suffering, they will not see the good side of it. Now, I know it didn't take me, it didn't happen immediately. The first time I went through uh, tribulation as a Christian, this was two years into my becoming a Christian, and I went through a period of tribulation. It was so severe. It was so severe. I was almost, I was, <laughs> I was almost eating. I was almost begging for food. Put it that way. Almost. I was that close. And at that time, I was freshly out of that cult I said I was in, where I thought I was a Christian. And I would rant in prayer. I was, you know, in anger. I was praying to God against all those enemies who have put me in this position. And I wanted them dead. I didn't know who they were. <laughs> but the way I'd been trained was that you've got enemies somewhere. And so pray against them. And so I'll be cursing and raining curses and praying foolish things before God. And for two years, the Lord watched me. Oh, yes. And two years where things weren't getting any better. But you know what? God is so amazing. He's so amazing. I love God's discipline. Painful at the time, but it's always an amazing thing. Because even as it says, you know, it always brings about a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. God's discipline is good. Don't make light of it, as the Bible tells us. It's always very painful. The process is painful. There's no doubt about it. It was horrible. I thought I was ready to die at, at some point, you know. And um, one day, I after, after about two years of this hardship going on and suffering, and it was, it was horrible. That's what I can remember. It was horrible. Because you know what? It's amazing because when God relieves you and he, he, he gives you so much delight that it's difficult for you to remember the pain of the past. All I can say about it is I know it was a traumatic and very painful period. But the day I decided, you know what, God? Now, I did not really know him personally, but I knew he was there. I, I, I believed that I was in a church that was part of his thing. Now, he'd actually taken me out of that church, you know, for two years. But then I was just getting to learn about God, reading my Bible, learning. I didn't belong to any church in particular at the time. And I said, you know what? You know what, God? Okay, if you want me suffering like this all the days of my life, that's fine. If this is what you prefer, if this is how you want me to be, that's fine. But one thing I know, I'm never going to leave you. I will never stop loving you and I'm never going to leave you. I didn't even really, really know how much I loved him, but I knew it was there somehow. And I fell asleep in frustration. I cried like a, oh, I cried so much that particular night as I'd been doing for two years. And I woke up the following morning and I, um, I went to some shopping place and things and I came across uh, some free magazines at the Putin baskets outside the supermarket, picked one up went home and looked through it and saw a position there, a job in there, and I applied for it. And um, I got that job, and I'm still in there. And uh, in that particular job, I thank God. I, you know, increased in it and everything. God has blessed and prospered it. But that, uh, that was 18 years ago. That was my first tribulation. 18 years ago. But what I'm saying is I did not get my relief from God until I submitted to his will. Until I gave up cursing out enemies. Until I decided, okay, God, if this is your will, then that's okay. Before then, for two years, I was ranting about it was enemies. And I was praying against those enemies. And I was cursing at them. And I wasn't hearing about anyone's death or anything like that that made me better. But it was when I said, you know what, God? I'm tired now because, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to pray, but whatever it is. If this is how you want me, then that's fine. That's just fine. Because I'm not going to leave you anyway. What's my alternative? You are God. And if you are God, then I love you. Then I'm not going to leave you. So let it be. If this is where you want me, that's fine. That was when my relief came. The following day. But this is something I've done in two years. Don't think I didn't apply for jobs in two years. Oh, yes, I did. Nobody wanted to know. So you see, there are so many things that we do wrong. Okay, that was my personal experience. And from that, and my relationship with the Lord, I, I will tell you now a few other things that prayer isn't. And then the next time, I'll tell you what prayer ought to be, how to pray effectively. Now, prayer is not a focus on the self, you know. That's a, 
You can back that up with Galatians chapter, chapter two, uh, chapter six, verse two. Prayer is not about the self. A lot of what people call prayer is so selfish. It's about me, 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 myself, and I. What I want, what I need, what I desire, what I require, what I demand. But no, in, in chapter two of, uh, chapter six of Galatians, verse two, says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's this law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, we should love each other. So love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. Carry each other's burdens. I, I personally, you know, I love praying. I'm talking about this because personally, I, lo- I love praying. I just love praying. <laughs> I mean, I do now. I never used to. I had no idea. When I was, when I thought I was a Christian, I didn't know how to pray and I never, I did not enjoy it. But now I just love praying because it's like me just sitting at the foot of God all the time. And I never want, I never want to move from there. So I always find something else to pray for. You know, you know, if, I, if all else fails, although I never run out of things to pray for. But no, they're not about me, though. Can't be disturbing God about I need promotion at work. And oh, Lord, I need more money. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, I want this and I want that. And I want a house and I want. God is not into all that pettiness. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, don't worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. He said, well, your father in heaven knows that you need all those things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I testify that is true because I do not spend time in the presence of God saying how I need a bigger house and how I need a new car and how I need better clothes and how my enemy needs to know I'm prosperous so God needs to give me a better job or promotion and things like that. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. I don't waste time praying for the perishable. But I'd rather sit there and say, Father, you know what? I, I, I know, I know, I know I'm not managing my time properly. I could be doing a lot more studying your word. I could be spending a lot more time in your presence learning from you. Please help me. Please help me prioritize my life better so that I can be of better use to you. Please open more opportunities for me to proclaim your truth to the world. This is sort of prayers that God wants to hear, not foolishness about material things. We are told very clearly to take our hearts and our minds off material things. How dare us then come put it in prayer before God? Are we expecting to answer? No, he will not go against his own word. Another thing, prayer is not, it's not taking a list. I just said that anyway. It's not taking a list of carnal needs before God. And that our Lord Jesus Christ himself told us in, um, in Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Although, I mean, it would be good if you read that from verse 25, really, of Matthew. You know, from uh, Matthew 6 from verse 25 is quite good, but I don't want to spend a lot of time reading all of that now, but it'd be good. But it concludes in verses 31 to 33, which I do believe I I said earlier. You know, Jesus said, um, where are we? 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. Now, there are some crazy pastors there. I call them crazy because they don't belong to God. I don't care how big their congregation, how many branches they have. I don't care how popular they are in the world. They are false servants. They are an accursed brood. And they encourage people to do exactly the opposite of what Jesus Christ said. They encourage people to pray about material things, pray about financial breakthrough, pray about miracles, financial miracles, pray about uncommon blessings, pray about promotion, you know, to the next level and things like that. And then I suppose the idea is that the kingdom of God will be added onto you. But that's not what the Lord Jesus Christ taught. He said, don't worry about your supplies or daily needs. God does supply our daily needs. He does. Now, whether I am content with what he gives me is another story. But God will not fail to meet my needs. That is his promise to his children. And he never fails because he's able. Look at the abundance of the food and drink we have all over the world. Whose provision is it? So we process foods and things. Yes. From what? From the resources that God has given. Which of us is it that goes into the forest to feed the wild animals? Which ones of us go into the seas and the oceans to feed the sea life? 
How many of us go out to feed the vastness of the of the, the, the number of birds that fly across the sky all over the world? Which one of us, you know, takes up that responsibility? The ants, you know, all the little insects. Who feeds them? God does. How much more we? Which is exactly what what our Lord Jesus said. If you read uh, Matthew six from twenty five. He said, your father in heaven, if he looks after the birds of the air that don't spin or sow or store away in bands, if he clothes the flowers of the field so beautifully, and I love flowers. I just love flowers. They are so beautiful indeed. And Jesus said, not even Solomon in all his wealth. He was the richest person in the world in his, in his era, King Solomon. Not even he was dressed as wonderfully as this. If that is our God clothes the flowers of the field that are here today and burnt tomorrow. He said, how much more you? You're more precious to him, you who are his children. Now understand one thing. All of these blessings of God are conditional upon you being his children. To those who do not belong to Jesus Christ, God has no obligation. He hasn't. Because even those of us who belong to him, we, we feed off his mercy and grace. How much more are those who despise him? So there you go. We don't need to worry about material things. We concern ourselves with God's business. God will concern himself with our business because he knows what we need even before we ask. Now, prayer is another thing. It's not telling God what to do. Because we have that crop of funny, funny professing believers. This is a very Pentecostal and charismatic thing where they are shouting up into heaven. Mother, you're standing before the Holy God, for goodness sake, the Almighty. And they are decreeing, and they're commanding, and they are, they are proclaiming, <laughs> which are the other words they use, telling God what to do. And I declare, and I prophesy into your life, and I proclaim, and I decree. What are you talking about? You're not talking. You can't do a thing. You can decree and proclaim anything. Come on, let anyone tell me of all the decrees and declarations that some crazy egomaniac has stood over them and proclaimed and declared and decreed. How many have come to pass? How many? Look, let's see what um, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. You know, Jeremiah said there, he said, who can decree a thing if God has not said it? Where are we? Right. Lamentations, um, chapter 3, quick. Right. Lamentations 3, 37. Who can, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? So all those prophets and pastors that people go to, and they're saying, and I prophesy into your life, this is going to happen, and I declare that, and I decree this, and you don't stand before God and speak so irreverently. And they cannot decree a thing for you or anyone, not even for themselves. Who are they, God? Do they know what God's plans for me is? Do they know what God's plans for you are? Do they know what God's plans for themselves are? They don't. But you know, when you do things, I'm putting your trust in man. It's an accursed thing. It says so in Jeremiah chapter 17. It's an accursed thing to put your trust in man. How can anybody stand and tell me that and tell me they're decreeing something over me and they're declaring and, and they're proclaiming and they're, who are they? Nothing. Time wasters. That's what they are. Time wasters. Because you know what these do? These people alienate you from God. How can my child, come on, let's think about it. Those of us who are parents. How can our child approach us? They want something from us. And then they come, my child's son is telling me, Mommy, I decree this, and I demand you give me this, and I decree, and I, and I claim this from you now. And I, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you what I would do with such a child, but definitely the, the answer is no, isn't it? You know, the answer's gotta be no. Get out of my sight. That's the answer. Come back when you've learned some manners <laughs> and respect how to approach your parents. That's what. For now, I don't want to see you here. That child wouldn't get a thing out of me. I thank God I don't have children like that. But I'm just saying, this is exactly what people are doing when they're standing before God and raising their feet in the air and telling God what to do and telling him where to go. And, you know, any any enemy who's um, 
blocking my, who's trying to destroy my marriage, die by fire in Jesus' mighty name. What? That's blasphemy. And it's a sin. Using the name of the Lord irreverently in witchcraft prayers is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Okay, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to run quickly through the rest of it. Prayer is not issuing commands, and we just said that. Commands, proclamations, declarations before God. We do not have the right to do such a thing because God is sovereign. Sovereign means he is overall and he has authority over all things and he alone determines what happens to anyone or anything at any time, not any man. Prayer is not reminding God of things he has forgotten to do for you. No, if I do not have a car today, it's because I don't have a car. It's not because God has forgotten to give me a car. He's God. So we don't need to remind him. He doesn't suffer from loss of memory as we do. You know, and he, he does not suffer from failing promises as we do. So not going before God and going, God, look at me, look at me. I'm still without a child. He knows you are without a child. And when it is his will, if it is his will, he will bless your womb. He knows that you are unemployed. There's nothing wrong with you praying to him. Then, Father, I look to you. I know that your will will be done. Let your glorious will be done in my life, O Lord. I would love to, you know, to, to have a, a job, Father, that I may depend on no one but on you alone. Please open up opportunities for me and things. Yes, fine. But you should go like, a, God, look, what do you have my enemies to say? And I hear this sort of nonsense that people call prayers. What do my enemies to say? I don't have this. My enemies don't have that. My neighbor who's an unbeliever has got a Mercedes. I haven't got anything. How am I they supposed to know I'm a believer? If I, That's rubbish. And God isn't listening. He will not listen. He does not do that. You call that prayer? It's not prayer. And, you know, shouting orders at God, as I said before, I decree and I demand and I declare and I proclaim and I... No, forget it. That's God's not going to answer that if he's even listening to it at all because God is holy and he's sovereign and he will not be spoken to in that manner. We are the creation. He is the creator. Prayer is not telling God what to do with your perceived or imaginary enemies. We've gone through that as well. Telling God how to kill somebody and how to stab somebody, um, starve somebody and how to make someone, you know, fall into a hole and how to make someone somersault and die by fire or thunder and things like that. That's not prayer. That's witchcraft. And God is not interested in such things. So you see, the many reasons that people are frustrated, of course they will be frustrated. And then, Prayer is not telling God how special and deserving you are of his blessings. Because we have that crop of people as well who will tell God, oh, after everything I've done for you, I worship you, I do this. How can you do this to me? How can I not have this? How can I not own that? Why am I still in this place, position in life? Despite of all my worship, I pay my tithes, I sow my seeds. I do. Listen, <laughs> we all receive from God by mercy and grace. Mercy, because none of us is good enough to, 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 to deserve anything good from God. But he does it because of his love, his loving kindness and mercy. So we don't tell him what wonderful Christians we are and what wonderful ch children we are and what fantastic servants we are that we deserve anything. We don't deserve a thing. It's all by God's mercy and grace. So, and another thing, we do not have the power of creativity. You don't. Because a lot of people's things will say, oh, no, you're, you're a small God yourself. You know, power of life and death is on your tongue, the Bible says. So, you know, just proclaim anything you want and it should happen. In all the times that people have been doing that, I would love for somebody to challenge me and come and tell me what it is they have created by their proclamation. I would love for somebody to tell me that, to testify that, oh, yeah, I did. I declared this and it happened and, and, and I created this. This is peak, it's peak. They're false teachers who teach you that. They're just taking you for a ride. They're alienating you from God because you're not praying in line with God's commands and will. They're alienating you from God, and that's no use. And, you know, such a life will be, will be in frustration, perpetual frustration, because nothing is going on. We do not have the power of creativity. We are creation. God is the creator. Only he can create. And then... There, we have spoken about the heavenly prayer language pertaining to tongues and things like that. It does not happen. It doesn't happen. It is good for you 
to pray with your intellect and with your mind. Be of sound mind. Be sober, the Bible tells us. Don't go doing this thing about you praying in tongues and then you're speaking gibberish that you don't know what you're saying, let alone anyone else. When you say, don't worry about it. You don't have to know. God understands. No, he doesn't. He doesn't because you're not saying anything. And if you want to know that you want to say answers to your prayers, then isn't it better that you know what it is you're asking God or what it is you're saying to God so that when it does happen, you can actually testify that it's happened. But if you're just going to go there chanting, I can't even bring myself to try and repeat the sort of things they say, but I can't really because they're not saying much. They're not saying anything, you know. But fear God. In all things, understand that it is about the grace of God. It's about mercy. We are not deserving of anything. Whatever God does in our lives is according to his will and his will is best for us. We don't want to do anything or receive anything out of the will of God. It will only mean trouble. It will only mean trouble. I'll leave it here for today. And next time we're going to see what prayer is. We've just gone through what prayer is not. Next time it will be what prayer is. And I hope that won't be too long from now because I have been away for about uh, two weeks now, which is not good enough as far as I'm concerned. But hopefully, hopefully I'll be with you soon. Until then, I pray that the Lord himself will open up your hearts to understanding and um Give you hearts that discern his will, that can discern right from wrong and keep you in his will and open up the wealth of his, of the riches of his word to you. Give you understanding, open your eyes to behold his glory and the beauty of his majesty. May the Lord be with you and grant you understanding, peace and blessing. Amen.